I think it was such a struggle for me to, to put together some realities for us to focus on about this idea of peace because I think peace is one of those things that seems far-reaching for us. Because I am an eternal optimist, and I can uh, sit in front of you and talk about hope last week. That was like a, a slam dunk for me. I love talking about hope, because hope is like you believe something out in the future. And, and I'm trusting that the future promises of God are true, and therefore, I can have hope right now. I can feel good right now because something's going to get better. And then George's going to talk about next week about, about joy. And that's sort of the same sort of thing. Like, I can have joy right now because uh, next week, I believe that things are going to get better. Like, I, I believe in the promises of God out there in the future. And so, therefore, surely I can, uh, I can have my soul satisfied right now. And peace, as I wrestled with it, was uh, or is one of those uh, escaping things from us because uh, our world just needs it so desperately and peace is sort of this like right here and now thing. And if you, if you went and polled um, just people walking down the street, uh, family feud style, uh, they'd probably say that one of the number one things that they're like wrestling with or that they struggle with is anxiety. Like this, this anxiousness about what will be and this inner turmoil. And, and if you think about it, uh, you can zoom out really, really far. And we are now a more connected world than we've ever been. And there's, I don't want to ever decry technology because there's so many benefits of technology. Like it's, it's provided so much good for us. But you think about like even something like geopolitical affairs and wars and things of that nature. A hundred years ago, I could have lived isolated in my own little bubble in cocoon and not had to deal with the realities of turmoil in other countries. But the moment something happens because of the world that we live in, it, we're constantly being bombarded. And a hundred years ago, it might have been, <coughs> it might have been two or three years before we find out about something. And now it's seconds that we're finding out about stuff. We're getting, we're getting push notifications through our phone. We see uh, breaking news, all of this stuff. <coughs> and so we can't ignore, uh, we can't ignore the atrocities and the, the hardship of the world around us. And so because of that, it's hard for us to have peace because of the stuff going on externally. But then you zoom into your own life, and you, if, if you were to ignore all of that stuff completely... I would still wager a bet that you in your life struggle to have peace. That it's hard for your soul to feel sure and secure. That a lot of times it feels shaky or rocky or like it can't be established on anything. Like you can't count on people in your life. And, and you feel good about uh, a certain relationship that you have. And then uh, really quickly that relationship goes awry. And you begin to feel this anxiety digging deep down in your soul. And I think all of this goes to show whether you're looking at the zoomed out view or the zoomed in view. I think all of this goes to show that our world just desperately, desperately needs peace. It needs peace. And your world, the internal world being formed and fitted and shaped inside of you, just probably desperately needs peace. And I'm grateful 
for the fact that in the creation account, we see a glimpse of who God is. And our God is a God that takes chaos and disorder and anxiety and all of this stuff, and he, under his mighty hand, takes it and he forms it into something with structure and order and resonance and beauty and peace. If you want to go all the way back to something as far back as the creation account, we get glimpses of this. See, Genesis tells us that before the world was, God was, and God is there dwelling and presiding, and it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, that might seem weird for our modern ears, and it might seem weird for um, uh, because you're like, how were there waters if God hadn't created anything yet? And I think for uh, ancient Near Eastern uh, listeners, they would have heard that and completely uh, understood right away what God or what what uh, the Genesis account is talking about. You see, uh, constantly throughout Scripture, when we see this image of water, we get this image of chaos, chaos. Because if you think about it, their worlds were very very localized. And, uh, and their world just kind of existed in their village, in their town. And probably, uh, as much as we get to get, get around and travel and all this sort of stuff, um, their lives probably wouldn't have existed outside of a few mile radius from birth to death. And a lot of times, just by nature of uh, where people settled and lived, a lot of times it was on the coastlines. Um, and, and what happens in those days when someone goes out to sea? It's a roll of the dice. I say 50-50. The chances might be greater. Uh, it's a roll of the dice on whether or not you are going to see that person again. Because it's just like the seas are chaotic. And in a moment, a storm can swell up and, and can overtake the ships that they're sailing on. And, and in a moment, something can be capsized. And in a moment, all of this stuff can turn from just calm and peaceful to absolutely chaotic. So water, in the Old Testament, a lot of times points the, the way towards like, hey, remember how chaotic things were. And then in the creation account, what we see is God taking that nothingness, that chaos that existed, and he takes it and through the, the breath of his lungs, through him speaking, forms and shapes and takes what was once chaos and puts order and structure and, and, and uh, unification around it. He takes what was chaotic and all over the place and, and, and he makes it whole. He puts it at peace with itself. So God uh, speaks into the silence, into the darkness, into the chaos of nothingness, with it, with, which if you want to let your uh, mind turn and, and bend, just think about that for a little bit. He speaks into the chaos of nothingness and makes order and a framework for all of humanity to not only just survive, but flourish. So our God, I am so thankful, is a God that takes chaos and introduces order and peace. And that's at the core of what we believe. But then, again, at the fall, 
So sin introduced back into the perfect structure and framework. And the framework is broken. And it doesn't, things aren't singing in these vibrant harmonies anymore. And because it's broken, uh, what we see happen is this chaos reintroduced into the equation. And that's where we a little bit find ourselves today. That there is, there is all of this what, uh, anxiety, chaos, lack of peace in our world. And that's, I think, a little bit the structure or the struggle of where I found myself struggling this week. That, again, I've talked about this a lot, and it's, it's just the, the way of Jesus until his return. The tension of the already but the not yet. That we believe that the work of Jesus on the cross was uh, sufficient for our salvation. It was enough. We can be reconciled to the creator of all things, the God of the universe, through Jesus' work on the cross. We can be made right. And simultaneously, everything in the world is not right. Things are broken. Things are, are, are chaotic. There's a lot of anxiety. And we live here and now, in this moment, December 4th, 2022, we are living in that tension. That God has restored all things, and simultaneously, we're waiting on the restoration of all things. And I can't explain it. I don't fully understand it, but that's where we find ourselves. And so my goal is to then open up Scripture and say, okay, God, where do you meet us in the midst of that? What does peace look like in the meantime? Because uh, we see all through Scripture God promising peace. We see God promising peace, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But God promises peace, so I believe that we can have and know and experience a peace or a settledness in our souls, uh, a foregoing of anxiety and chaos both in our world and in ourselves. But what does this look like in the meantime of that tension? And I think so. I I think that Mary, as she's finding out about this whole rescue plan for humanity, uh, probably experienced something quite similar to what we're we're walking through. And so if you have a Bible, uh, Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to land. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 26. Um, and here's what, uh, here's what Luke says. He says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pled to be, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 29 says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him three him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom, get this, his kingdom will never end. Mary begins to wonder to herself, and she's putting together the the basic lessons of human anatomy and biology, and she goes, how will this be? Mary asks the angel, since I'm a virgin. 
And you can hear in her voice. Again, I, wanna, I, wanna be, I wasn't there. And it's, it's hard for us to read and uh, find like uh, tone and annotation and that sort of stuff in their voice. But you can hear the trepidation in her voice. You can hear like the fear and the worry and the how, hold on, Angel Gabriel, quick, t- quick time out for me. How is this going to be? How will this uh, come to pass? Because uh, I don't know how things work in the angel sphere with angel reproduction, uh, but with human reproduction, it takes two to tango. And uh, she's raising her hand going, there has been no two. I'm unmarried. I, I haven't, I'm pledged to be married to Joseph, uh, but that's coming down the pipeline. Like Nothing has happened yet. And you begin to hear this worry, and it might be, it might be worry uh, because she is unmarried up to this point. The questions racing through her mind might be a worry of how, how are people going to accept me? How are people going to treat me because, because me and Joseph aren't married yet? And this implies a lot of things. Am I going to be an outcast from society? Am I going to have to live on the, the outskirts of town? Are people going to whisper as I, as I walk by? It might be a fear or a worry because this heavenly being has chosen to interact with her on a very personal level. I, raising my hand, have never come face to face visibly with an angel. I don't know what that looks like. I can imagine, though, because uh, we have the natural world and the supernatural world, and they're both, I don't know how it works, they're both existing together. I can imagine it's a frightening experience. So maybe the worry is like, whoa, whoa, this is a lot happening at one time, and I'm just trying to take it in. But whatever it is, or it's a mixture of all of them, she's obviously troubled by this greeting. And and the angel says, do not be afraid. But Mary's wondering. Wondering what kind of greeting it might be. Wondering what it might entail. But what she begins to understand is that the Messiah, again, we talked about it last week, Simeon had been hoping and waiting on the promised Messiah to restore God's people and restore all of creation. He had been waiting. He knew the promises from Scripture. He had put his hope in those, and he got to see it with his own eyes. And she's beginning to, to, to roll through the, the promises that she's heard. And it's beginning to become apparent to her that the Messiah was coming very, very soon. And she would play what I like to call an integral part of his arrival. She was going to give birth to the Savior of all mankind. Which is a, a weighty thing. And so she's there in her anxiety. She's there in her worry. She's there wondering, like, okay, God, if this is going to happen, how is this going to happen? And, um, and her, again, her final response is, how is this going to be? And in verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And then, seemingly, in almost an instant, Mary jumps from, 
How is this going to be? I don't understand this. I'm filled with worry. I'm filled with anxiety. I don't know what this is going to look like. And she immediately jumps to, in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. She answers, may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left. Which makes me ask the question, what happens between those two points? What happens between... Um, between I don't understand what's happening to me right now, I am worried, I am filled with anxiety, I am just, my soul is at turmoil, I am so worked up to, Angel Gabriel, whatever you say, let it be, I'm the Lord's servant, sign me up. Those are not the same answer. What happens in the midst of that? Again, I wasn't there, so I can't say for certain, but I think it might have had something to do with the reminder of God's promises that the angel gives her. He looks back and he says, remember Elizabeth, who everyone was said was ancient and unable to bear children, and uh, she's six months along now? God's promises don't fail. Remember this, God's promises don't fail. Now, I want to be clear that I don't think these are magic words. That when you come to me and you're like, I have so much anxiety and I just need some peace in my life. I'm so worked up that I, I don't think for a moment that I can say, remember, Katrina, God's promises don't fail. And you go, wow, Jordan, I feel so much better. Thank you. That is just what the doctor ordered. It's not, it's not some like magic incantation. But instead, it is the, the pushback to, it's a lot like what we talked about last week, a pushback to the promises of God. To say, regardless of how wild and crazy the world might seem, regardless of how much chaos is out there in the world, regardless of the anxiety and the worry and the chaos you feel in your own life, remember God's promises. Mary remembers God's promises and when she remembers God's promises, when Gabriel points, like, remember what he said. He's doing what he said he would do. She goes, I'm the Lord's. Sign me up. I'll play whatever part I need to. And she begins to be put at rest. Her soul begins to experience peace. I read this week um, from an Advent book I'm reading from an author named Greg uh, Penoyer. And he says, we may have a great difficulty in understanding how God will keep his promises, but we do not doubt that he will keep his promises. See, to be anxious is to be human. The question is what we do with our anxieties, and the decision is between hanging on to them or handing them over. After listening to the angel, Mary handed her over herself, including her anxiety, saying, I am a servant of the Lord. May your word to me be fulfilled. And this isn't fatalism. This is faith. Fatalism is resigning ourselves to the inevitable, and faith is entrusting ourselves to the one who is eternally trustworthy, who is worthy of that trust. And I, I believe with all of my heart that this is the moment that we can begin to experience peace. That we say, God, I know your promises. I trust that your promises are true. And because I trust that your promises are true, I can be firmly and truly established in my soul. My soul can be settled because I know that your 
working. I know that you're uh, taking care of things. But here is what is difficult. I think simply leaving it here at saying, if you want to experience peace, know and trust in the promises of God. I think that is a true statement, full stop. And all the while, I think that has the potential to, uh, to carve out of the walk, our walks with Jesus room for the working of the Holy Spirit and room for the working of the supernatural. Because I could, if I just leave it there, know and trust in the promises of God and you can experience peace, which I believe is true. If I just leave it there, that uh, introduces a whole lot of room for me to say when you, or you to say to me, when your life feels chaotic and hectic and like you just need peace, I'm like, we'll just... There's no more scripture. There's no more of God's promises. It's, it's that easy. And again, we're living in that tension of the already of, of the cross and the not yet of the restoration of all things. And so I don't want to, uh, to decry the supernatural and say that the only way that you can experience peace is through knowing and trusting the promises of God. While I fully believe that we can experience peace by knowing and trusting the promises of God. To trust that God will do what he says he will do and trust that God will work how he says he will work and trust that we don't have to understand all of the inner workings and the complexities to know that God's in charge, God's in control. And all the while, Jesus has this encounter um, uh, with his disciples that, let me not set it up too much. In John 14, here's what he says. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, it has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I'm going. You know the way to the place I'm going. Jesus goes on to say, I'm the way. You know the way because I'm the way to the place I'm going. So he gives a promise to come back to his uh, followers, and then he uh, goes on to give a promise of the Holy Spirit, the, the member of the Trinity that is with us and comforts us and counsels us. And in the midst of promising that, here's what he says in John 14, 27. Hannah read it. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives, but let your, not, but let your hearts let, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So Jesus' first advent, his first arrival on the scene, gives us hope, gives us peace, because we know that the promises of God are true. And then he goes a step further to say, there are going to be times where you can't make sense of everything happening in the world. There's going to be times where you can't make sense of the craziness of the world. There's going to be times where you can know and trust and believe in the promises of God and your life still seems to be lacking peace. And here's what you do in those moments. Jesus says, I give you peace. I give you peace. Not do all of these things and earn my peace. Not go to church uh, every week and be a part of the fellowship and make sure you have daily Bible time reading uh, and then you'll get peace. But Jesus says in those moments, I am giving you peace. 
I'm just going to give it to you freely. It's yours. Take it. And he says, not like the world gives you peace, because there's a lot of things out in the world that we can go and encounter that will give us peace. Short-lived peace, but peace. I don't know if you guys know much about the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram 7. That means anything to anyone, which means I don't like hard feelings. Uh, You know how much of a chore it was for me to preach through what reconciliation looks like? Because that's really, really hard for me to go have hard conversations with people. And so do you know what I can do to gain peace momentarily? Literally anything to take my mind off of it. So if I have a conversation on the phone that really gets me worked up inside and gets me going, and I'm like, I am just so anxious, you know what I can do? I can go over to Maggo and get, Sam's got this thing, it's an apple butter latte. It's, it's pretty good, guys. It's pretty good. And while I drink that, my mind, I can throw everything out the window and then it's gone, and I go, oh, yeah, I had a really hard conversation with someone. And so do you know what I like to do uh, after that? I'm a notorious overspender in my family. Uh, Amanda's the, you know anything about Dave Ramsey? I'm the free spirit. I'm, I just I go, and I do. And so I'll go home after a hard day where I'm needing and desiring peace, and I'll go, Amanda. And it doesn't take much to twist her arm. I'll go, what if we go to Target tonight? And she's like, yeah, you had me at, at Target. I'm, I'm in. Let's do it. And so we go, and we'll usually eat at Chick-fil-A or Chipotle because we're over in Champagne. It's lovely, and it's wonderful. And then we get home, and I'm laying in bed at night, and guess what happens? <laughs> All the anxiety comes back to me. Everything that the world has to offer is so short-lived. Yes, I don't, I'm not going to lie to you. It can give you peace. It can give you peace. It can. But nothing the world has to offer will offer you that sustaining, lasting peace. The peace that is weighty enough, that is is strong enough to hold up against the weight of the world. It won't last. But Jesus says, I'm giving you peace. A peace that is sure. A peace that comes from me, the creator of all things. Take it from me. So that puts us, there's a couple different ways we can get peace. And I think, I don't think it's an either or, I think it's an all of it. We get peace from knowing and trusting that the promises of God are true. To know that God will do what he says he will do. And and we believe that God is sure in his promises. And so our hearts can be settled now because we, we trust in God's faithfulness. And all the while we go, God, I'm trusting your faithfulness. I know that your promises are true. And simultaneously I'm saying, Jesus, I need your peace. And he's going, yeah, yeah, just take it. Giving it to you. Let your heart be settled. Take it. I want you to have it. And I think a lot of times where we go wrong is assuming that peace is this blissful meditative state of being. That, that, it's, that is what I like to call like a soft peace. 
Because if I were to, if I were to again do the the family feud survey out in the world, uh, peace would typically come back as like a everything's easy. You're sitting on a cloud, probably a harp played by some little baby angel or something. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But I think the peace that God offers us is a, a lot more gritty than that. Like it's a peace that uh, Peterson would probably call it something like it's an earthy peace. It, it's, not, uh, it's not soft, but it's in fact very durable. It's a peace that much like a, a blanket that a child carries around with them, like it, it's tough and can withhold the weight of the world. Uh, and so it's not a peace that's going to come and go with circumstances. It's not a peace that's going to be temporary and then leave us wanting something else later. It's a, it's a peace that as it comes into our lives, where it's able to hold up under the weight of life's troubles. It's the ability to say whatever comes our way, that I know that God is with me. And because I know that God is with me, and because I believe his promises are true, my soul can be settled. And even in the midst of of the rehearsal of those promises, of going, God, I know your promises are true. I believe they're true. Even in the midst of that, when we can't uh, go beyond that and muster up an ounce of peace, that God is faithful enough to go, no, I'm just giving it to you. Just take it. Take it. I want you to be settled. I don't want you to be constantly worked up. Peace is the accessible reality that we are not in control but we are very much in the hands of a good and loving God that is sovereign, meaning God, we are in God's hands who is actively ruling and reigning, and his rule and his reign is good, and his rule and his reign is a loving, and so we can be confident. So as we wrap up, let me ask you, what in your life feels out of control? What in your life feels like it is marked by chaos, anxiety, worry? What in your life feels like it's just swirling around you and it's just happening to you and you have no say in it? Because I promise you, whatever that thing is, that is the very thing that Jesus this morning, this morning, right now, is speaking peace over. That he's saying, because uh, I am not a God who is far off, I'm not a God who is distant, I didn't create you and then set you into motion and then fling you off. I am a God who is with you. And that is what we celebrate in the incarnation. That's why we celebrate Advent, that God came near So God is not far off in the midst of this turmoil, but God is near. So what is that thing in your life? And that's where I want to invite you. Jesus is saying, I'm here to give you peace. 
Not that all the, all the bows are going to be put on the end of the story that we're going to say, oh, that really wrapped up pretty neat and tidily so I don't have to worry about it anymore. But in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the hard, in the midst of the worry, in the midst of the anxiety, we can say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I just feel a whole lot of peace about this. God is with me. God's presence is here. No, I don't know what's going to happen, but, but I'm at peace. I'm not worked up. I'm not worried. You begin to experience what Paul talks about as a, a peace that passes understanding. There you go. My, my life shouldn't be as calm as it is given what's happening. My life shouldn't be as settled as it is given all of the chaos. But I'm at peace. I'm at peace. And that's the invitation that Jesus is extending this morning. That you can know and experience peace regardless of the crazy. That's the truth of Advent. That because God came near, we can know peace. Because I know, I know my life's desperate for it. Your life is desperate for it. Our world is desperate for it. For peace. Peace.